This episode of Movie Beatdown is sponsored by DrawYouPicture.com, where you can get me, your host, to draw you a picture for pretty darn cheap. See what I've done for others and see what I can do for you at DrawYouPicture.com. Also, with support from Bluehost Hosting, where $4.95 a month gets you unlimited space transfer and domains. Visit MovieBeatdown.com slash Bluehost today. Hey, like the movie guy said, this is Movie Beatdown, where we're rediscovering movies with Blake Snyder's book, Save the Cat. This is episode three, brought to you the week of September 11th, 2014. I'm your host. My name is James Kinnison. Is with me, as with me, is John Steinklobber. How you doing, John? I'm fantastic. We got Paul Guy Bout. James. Hey, hey. And Christian Sudreth. Yippee, Kai. Uh, yay? <laughs> yeah. That's that's the clean version. And uh, in the first, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there, in that chair, special guest, you guys know him from Axe Cop, Bear Mageddon, and a stint at co-hosting Nobody's Listening back in the day. Do I smell pizza? Anyone? Anyone? And uh, you. <laughs> you'll know him very soon <laughs> as the writer of the new VeggieTales in the house series coming exclusively to Netflix uh, by DreamWorks Animation. I present artist, writer, husband, stepfather, save the cat evangelist, and all-around good guy, Ethan Cole, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. That's the most extensive introduction I've ever gotten. The rest of the show sucks. That's uh, all I did all day. Was, Building up a resume. Was write that. Yeah, your whole resume in, a, in an introduction there. <laughs> well, today's movie, if you haven't guessed yet, is Die Hard from 1990. Oh, yeah, 90 what? 88. And boy, does it look every bit of it. I didn't <laughs> no, know. I'm, I'm curious to no. hear Christian's. Because he's the youngest in the room, right? Oh, man. Yeah, because we yeah. all have first person. Well, Polly may too, but we all have first person memories of this thing. I mean, we were we were out there in the midst of I'm it. Just, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm I excited like for a, a movie that was made after me. I just know when I watched it, I was like <laughs> hairstyles, clothes, cell phones, oh, crap, you know, the whole thing. Even, even the decorations inside the room. I mean, it just... I don't remember it being like that, but it was. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, it's, it's cool yeah. for me to watch these movies because I see how like heavily they've influenced other movies that I've watched. Like you know, going back and seeing like, oh, this is this is like kind of the standard. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of those movies. It's not only influenced other movies; it influenced like five hundred sequels as well. Yeah, Basically a whole genre. Yeah. And if you think they're done, movie. they're not going to get done until Bruce Willis <laughs> dies. And then they're uh, they're gonna hire Shia LaBeouf to take his place. So <laughs> please no. <laughs> the uh, the IMDb description: NYPD cop John McClane's plan to reconcile with his estranged wife Holly is thrown for a serious loop when minutes after he arrives at her office, the entire building is overtaken by boobs. Oh, I'm sorry, by a group <laughs> of pitiless terrorists. <laughs> With a little help from the LAPD, wisecracking McLean sets out to single-handedly rescue the hostages and bring the bad guys down. Uh, uh, probably one of the better log lines that we've seen <laughs> here on the show so far. Um, they yeah. actually get to the point of you know what the what the movie's about secretly. It's a big uh, reconciliation <laughs> story, but uh, it's directed by John McTiernan. Uh, you know him from Predator, Hunt for Red October. 
Medicine Man, which I don't remember liking. Last Watch. Action Hero, one of my favorite secret favorite movies of all time. Um, <laughs> and Die Hard with a Vengeance. And then everybody's favorite, Rollerball. Uh, it was written by, Je- written by Jeb Stewart. You know him from, uh, from The Fugitive and Another 48 Hours, which was, uh, that's old school. You want to talk about old school. Uh, Stephen E. Yeah. D'Souza uh, from 48 Hours. Running Man, great movie. Uh, even to yes. this day, Die Hard 2, Flintstones, great movie, mm. even to this day. <laughs> Talk, talking about, was it great when it came out? Ta- no. Ta- talking about film structure, that movie was awesome until The Catalyst, you know? <laughs> Flintstones? Ooh. Speaking of Jetsons, <laughs> I don't know who's zooming in with the microphone, but we got Street Fighter and Beverly Hills Cop 3 also uh, written by these guys. So it's very interesting. Uh, main actors, obviously, Bruce Willis as Officer John McClane, Bonnie Bedilla as Holly, um, using her uh, maiden name, Reginald Vell Johnson. Uh, I know him as Carl from uh, the Urkel show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Urkel show. <laughs> he plays Al, uh, Sergeant Al Powell. And uh, Alan Rickman um, plays uh, Snape. And I grabbed Thaw's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Hans Gruber, uh, and uh, and then the the most important person in the movie, Robert Davy, uh, the guy with the pitted face uh, from the Goonies. Dobby. You know that guy. Oh, yeah, it's Robert. It's actually pronounced Robert Dobby. Just tell well, me it out. was until I said it. <laughs> uh, okay, let's jump in before we get into the beats. We always go through the genre. The protagonist and his flaw, and the antagonist and his flaw. Uh, I read the book, so <laughs> it didn't take a, a whole lot of genius to figure out this genre is uh, easily fits within the dude with a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any comments on that? Because this dude does have a problem. I, I think it was a like buddy the probably the only time. <laughs> <laughs> One at a time, uh, Ethan. <laughs> Pretty much a poster child for the dude with the problem story. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Mine was just a witless comment about it being a buddy love movie, so never mind. Oh. <laughs> there was a little There's- bit of that. All right. Everybody's afraid to talk now because of that one second Skype delay, but that's okay. <laughs> It's uh, dude with a problem all the way. It's in the it's actually in the summary. So Yeah, yeah, it's in it's in the book. It's the whole thing. Um yeah, it's it is. It is the the floor plan for all other dude with a problem movies. Um his, the protagonist obviously, John McClane. Um any any comments on his flaw? Cuz I I changed mine several times. Uh I mean I think his obvious flaw for one thing is he thinks that he can take his wife for granted or he thinks that she'll come crawling back. Right. He's a bit selfish, yeah. Yeah, he's checking out other women throughout pretty much the entire yeah, movie. I wrote that. I wrote that down. Lechery. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll he's, he's a grouch. A grouch. He's a little grouchy guy. <laughs> he's <laughs> angry. He's, he's a glass walker. I, I, think that's a, I think that needs to be <laughs> stated. Uh, now, I put uh, plain and simple... Because it does play out at the very end and pays off, and it may just be a callback thing, 
I just put his fear of heights. It's what they led with from yeah. the very beginning. I think that was a save yep. the cat moment as well. Um, or one of three, actually, that I'll talk about in a minute. And uh, and at the very, very end, um, when he's on the roof, it's about to blow up. He ties the, the water hose around him, and he sits there and talks himself out of his fear of heights. And that saves his life. And so I, I put that. I think it's little. Uh, I think it's almost petty. Uh and not as big as some of the flaws that we've seen, you know, with our heroes mm-hmm. in past movies. But this movie didn't seem to take a lot of the side stuff very seriously. It was all about the action, all about the the, the main story. And um, the theme was real lightweight, as we'll talk about in just a second. And I think his, his fear was, or his, uh, his flaw. Now, this one, Hans Gruber, obviously the, the main antagonist, um, second in line was the guy that didn't believe the fat cop about uh, needing all those snowballs. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. look him the up. FBI find, guy? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that guy too. I was talking about the guy at the uh, Mini Mart at the very beginning oh. when we first meet him. <laughs> he's like, yeah, whatever. Just check it out. You know, I'd, I'd love to see that guy's <laughs> career. I'm sure he's been in dozens of films since then. But Hans Gruber, I wrote it down. Obviously, he's the antagonist. That's no brainer. But what was his flaw? Holy crap. I don't know. That he couldn't do a good American accent without it being dubbed? <laughs> Was that what Hedy did? <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, what do you think, guys? I've got he's pretentious. What's that I mean? Like he, I had to look that up. Like he's real like uh, prideful, I guess, and, <laughs> and won't just let the job get done. And he said, no one kills him but me in a much uh-huh. different accent. But I think if he had just been able, like, just to get his mission done, like, let's just, you know, if you find him, kill him. That's, I mean, thanks. Then I feel like that would have solved a lot of his problems. Ah, uh, he was a stickler for the plan. He really was. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think a simple kind of thing is he, I mean, he's more about money than family. And John has, is, you know, has to put, because the whole thing that John and his wife you know, are, it's about their jobs in the beginning. Is she going to stay on this side of the United States and have her job? And is she going to stay on this side of the United States and have his job? And then, you know, that's kind of the reconciliation. It's like for him to come. And, you know, it's more important for the relationship to survive. And then Hans, you have this whole situation that comes out with his brother wanting to go find his brother, or revenge his brother's death. And he's like, hold off, hold off. You know, we got to get the money. We're going to get the detonators and finish this. I called and, him uh, D- Discount Fabio. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's kind of the he's almost more of a I mean I guess a lot of the bad guys are often like doppelganger versions of the good guy and I think that that character I can't remember his name Carl I think it's Carl uh, yes it is with a K but he is he's kind of the because you know John McClane is definitely kind of an, an animalistic man and Carl's like full on animal animalistic bad guy man that's true. His, he's all, that, that is his, his all man passion. That is his most direct bad guy. You're right because they have that big old showdown right at the end, and uh, yeah, that's good. It is good. I didn't think about that, and I didn't think about the connection with the family thing. That yeah, he does. He does immediately blow off the. You know, we got to tell his brother. You know, call him on yeah. the radio. <laughs> You can't, you can't. So uh, you'll have to forgive me, but you guys are cutting in and out like really badly for me at least. So it's probably a problem on my end. But uh, somebody said something about uh, uh, Hans always playing by the book. Who was that? Me. Okay. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I thought that was really, really important. And all, 
I'll kind of bring that up in a second, but I think that that was uh, part of his personality and that that also, uh, to me, was uh, his biggest flaw was that he had to do everything by the book. And so, again, if you guys have already talked about that, I apologize, but I'm, <laughs> I'm only hearing about 20% of this conversation. Yeah, I, I think earlier we, you popped off the Skype call for a minute, so you might check and just see if, if anything's streaming at your house. You know, anything's anybody's <laughs> watching five episodes of Netflix at the same time. But um, gotcha. So they, so Hans Gruber is is a lot of things, uh, but he is well groomed. I'll give him that. Um, he, 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 he well, and and I think also uh, just an interesting thing is that Hans Gruber is kind of like um, <clears throat> he fits in with the guys at the Nakatomi Plaza, which is the big building that John's wife are working with now. Like she's working around this. Uh, Ellis guy and everyone's all snazzily dressed and kind of European looking and everyone's cool. And that's how the terrorists are too. And John's like the standalone tough guy from the streets wearing a wife beater. No you know, shoes. Doesn't have a big, no shoes. Doesn't have a big vocabulary, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know if you count it as a flaw, but it's, it's another way that like they fit in more with the uh, atmosphere. John really still stands out. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I, I realized he spends a lot of time on the unfinished parts of the building too, which was interesting. Um, I don't know, I don't know what that means, but th- you know, yeah, and it's, yeah, and it just flashed back and forth more at home. between the fancy parts. Yeah, and he just decided, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out at you know here where there's no no crap except for drywall. Yeah, there's sheep. Yeah, <laughs> and an, and a thousand year old Twinkie, which uh, <laughs> we know the contents of. All right, opening image, uh, the visual that represents the struggle and tone of the story. Snapshot of the character's main problem before the adventure begins. Go. <laughs> I don't want to do all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> I have the word. He's on an airplane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's it, scared of flying. Fists with your toes. Fists with your toes in the carpet. Yeah. It saves you. And it also is a callback because that's why you ain't got no shoes on the whole time. So it, it does not explain, though, however, they did address the one thing with the shoes. Oh, his feet are too small. But he killed like seven other dudes and had access to their shoes and never <laughs> tried <true>. again. <laughs> I noticed that. Mm, yeah. he, he could have taken their clothes and like wrapped them around his foot like he did his own shirt. But anyway. Maybe they all have small feet. All those Europeans. So, <laughs> so the opening image, you know, was obviously for him on the plane. Uh, he's scared of heights. It's it's an interesting way to introduce us to this absolutely man of men, you know, kill bad guys, you know, fly through the air and fall down a shaft and catch himself five stories later. Uh, but we catch him, you know, on the airplane next to a cocky businessman, which he will deal with for the rest of the series uh or the 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 show um and he's getting advice and it just gives me the, the impression um that uh he's he's afraid of heights that's what it does but um <laughs> but uh obviously we learn he's been a new york he's a new york cop he's been there for 11 years he 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 throws that up in uh the the guy's face um i think that's one of his save the cat moments I, i'll name three i'll say uh the first one being um, his fear of heights that kind of endears you to him. Uh, secondly, would be uh, you know I've I've been a cop for eleven years. He makes a joke. It's kind of funny, 
and and cuts the guy in half. And then secondly, you see the stewardess walk past him on the way out after he grabs the giant bear and they have this moment. And you're right. He does oogle girls. But what I saw is she was oogling him. And that kind of subconsciously makes you say, okay, he's desirable. He is a man of men, you know, that's exactly what I have. That, that whole that whole part where she walks by, and I have the, the teddy bear kind of gave him some depth. You know, you know he's like real tough. He's a cop. You know what the movie's going to be about, but he's got this giant teddy bear. So at least for me, having no having never seen it before, I thought it was a little I don't know interesting. Sort of like oh, he's he's more than just super tough. Well, yeah, a when a grown man's got a giant teddy bear, you know there's a story right right away. There he's, <laughs> right. he's making up for something. It's like having flowers. <laughs> Put the bunny down. Yeah. Put down the bunny. It's not his, and you know that. So um, it is amazing, though, and it's a sign of the 80s. Homeboy had a gun. He was strapped the yeah. entire flight. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-9-11. Speaking of the, the day we're recording on. Uh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The date that changed everything. Uh, so So opening image, we're moving um, right into – uh, I really like to skip the theme stated because sometimes it comes in the middle of, uh, of, of the, actually it does come in the middle of the setup. So let's skip it does, to, yeah. to set up. And, um, <clears throat> obviously we learn just things we're learning about him. His, uh, just spout them out his marriage his, and his life. Are and fun. technically the open, just, just trying to like, cause it's, I've been listening to the, the podcast and I want to kind of help explain how the whole beat sheet works. Like when you look at the page numbers, it's mm-hmm. like, your opening image is on page one, but in, in the theme stated is in, I think, what, let's say page five, maybe. Yeah. And the setup is the first, what, like 20 Ten. pages or something? Ten. Ten. So then your opening image is part of the setup, and the theme stated happens in the middle of the setup. So the setup is a succession of a bunch of different scenes. Mm. And then those two things fall, they just fall in there. So he, I actually, I took a Blake Snyder. Uh, I actually took this is kind of a crazy story, but I took his last ever <gasps> seminar. You killed him. Whoa! <laughs> it was like pretty crazy. Like I, yeah, I signed up. I, I, lo- I, I looked on his website and I found out he did these seminars. And I was, and I live in LA, so I, I realized I could put some money together and go to one of them. They're kind of expensive, but he, they're really uh, small. He has like he only allows like up to twelve people to come in, and it's for a whole weekend. Sheesh. So it's just you and. 12 people in a room with Blake Snyder working on your screenplay. <clears throat> and it was like super eye opening and amazing. Like everybody going in, like starting out with these horrible stories that were awful. And he helped us all pound him into, you know, into submission. He's like this super full life, hilarious guy. He loved, he just loves story. Like he's just hilarious and hmm. he's passionate about it. Like, uh, like y- you guys are, we got some youth leaders here. They're, that's, or who have been youth pastors He's like a youth pastor for story. Like he has that like super energetic, like, oh my gosh, calm down <laughs> kind of energy about, but it's about storytelling. When he figure, figures out a story beat, he like starts jumping around the room. <laughs> so no one would ever would have, it. there was no sign. That was crazy. And I, I, I finished this seminar with him and then, and that was one of the things that like he, people, everyone gets hung up on. They think it's like a puzzle what piece of the puzzle is the theme stated that you fit in before the setup. And it's, it's not quite like that, mm. but yeah. So then I, I found out like a couple weeks later that he had died just out of nowhere. But uh, 
it's pretty cool. It was a really, really amazing experience. That's great wow. that you got that, man. That's, there's, yeah. There's no doing that over. Yeah, for real. So, again, let's go through uh, the things we know about him. Um, we, we learn in the setup in those first you know, 10 pages, so to speak, uh, that his marriage and his family have, uh, have fallen apart. Mm-hmm. We also find out why. <clears throat> and that's one of his flaws is that he's like thick headed or he's he's stubborn. I think his stubborn. I think that's also like that connects to his. He needs to be the kind of guy who will overcome stuff and will overcome his fear of heights and not be stubborn. And he's super stubborn about his wife went off to get this job, and it's also his ego. He feels like not needed. Well, and is it a New York mm-hmm. attitude versus an LA attitude too? Yeah, yeah. That's a good thought. Just had it. Nice. <laughs> um, we, we learn his wife's a motivated worker. We see that because uh, Taganashi is uh, making his uh, opening statement. She's walking through um, with, with, to her amazingly pregnant uh, and horribly dressed pre, <laughs> pre-prenatal fashion uh, assistant there. And she says the oddest thing, a little off topic. Uh, you know, would it hurt the baby to have a little sip? Well, you know, in 1988, no, no, it didn't. She <laughs> says, "I think that baby's ready to tin bar." So, basically, <laughs> your unborn child is a is a raving alcoholic. Is is kind of what I took away from that. But so she's not very good with her with her references there. Um, so she wants him to come home. He, but he's angry. And then we start seeing the professional bad guys hitting up something big, you know, and they're rolling in with the trucks. They're all synchronized. One's going down. The other one's going up. I mean, it was awesome. I love that whole thing. I like guys walking fast, straight legs, serious, not looking backwards, shooting. Oh, oh, wait, tech guy. Let's talk about the black tech guy. Um, You mean the guy from Walker, Texas Ranger? Is that what he is? Yeah. Are Are we in the catalyst now? Uh, not, no, not yet. I, he, he, uh, he shoots the guy in the head. He's the tech guy, you know. His character nowadays would have been he'd have been fat, you know, <laughs> geeky and kind of underneath somebody's thumb, you know what I'm saying? But he's mm-hmm. right up there with serial killer status. He's laughing, he's jumping on him like the Joker on his chest, yeah. really, really <laughs> odd uh choice there. Um but uh before we get into the theme stated, um what was Let's see. No, no, let's do theme stated. Let's just jump in there and say that. Um, what do you guys feel like the theme was? So I'm going to jump in real quick because I can finally hear everybody. Yay! And I heard a question. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about theme stated, but I'm also going to jump back slightly to opening image uh, because I think it kind of ties together. One of the, to me, the very first thing that, uh, or not to me, to everybody watching, the very first thing that you see is uh, his wedding band and he's gripping that seat, just holding on for dear life. Um, mm. And so for me, I, I see that just kind of taking the whole movie in context where he's uncomfortable with things that are up in the air, like figuratively speaking, like he doesn't know where his marriage is at. Um, you know, he's not, it, that just makes him feel like just really uh, crazy. And then same thing with, with the airplane. And so I thought that was a cool uh, and the way building. kind of, yeah, and the building, which I'm sure you guys talked about and I couldn't hear it. Dang it. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to start swearing like, uh, like John McClane here in a second, but um, <laughs> And so to get into the to the theme stated, I feel like this movie is, I mean, this is going to sound really bland and really vague, but if you're going to survive, you have to learn to change. Um, 
because the very first thing we hear is, you know, him being introduced to a whole, whole new concept, a whole new way of dealing with something that he's not comfortable with, meaning, you know, uh, take, you know, take off your shoes and grip the toes, you know, or grip the carpet underneath your toes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, where are we at here? Sorry. Um, theme stated. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks. Uh, I'm scrolling <laughs> down on notes. Uh, oh. so yeah, that's, that, that was my mistake, not yours, but, um, yeah, so with theme stated, I feel like that carries over to where it's like he's he's got to, the whole movie. He's having to learn to try things new. So w- earlier, James, when you talked about um, Hans Gruber does everything by the book, and that ends up being his downfall in the end, is because he won't deviate from the plan. Um, it ends up leading to his demise. Whereas with John, he is a New York cop, and there's even that scene. I'm jumping ahead a little bit with uh, Alexander's brother. Um, I can't remember his name, but he even says like, "You're not going to shoot me. You're a policeman. There are rules," mm. and that's in John. Bur- breaks that rule. And so he's having to learn that he can't always do things by the book in order to survive. And so with his marriage, it's, this is a whole new paradigm. Yes, it's 1988 and all that stuff. But even uh, at that point, it's, you know, your wife can be a breadwinner. Your wife can be successful. She doesn't have to be stay at home. She can be a go-getter and all that kind of stuff. And so you're going to have to learn to change. The old rules are no more. There's no more stay-at-home wife, you know, pregnant and on, on, on. So you've, you've got to learn to change if you're going to survive not only this terrorist attack, but also if your marriage is going to survive, then you've got to learn to adapt with these changes. Yeah. I, I would mm-hmm. see that if it was a novel. And it was. <laughs> it actually was um, earlier on. Um, it's written by, mm-hmm. oh, goodness, I got it here. Oh, I thought I did. You had a different name. It was called. Yeah, yeah, what was it called? You only got, everything. Cha- I don't know. Oh, Roderick Thorpe. Nothing lasts forever. There it is. Nothing lasts forever. So yeah, the theme of change and and all that is even embedded in the original original title. So, um, for me though, the the theme stated was a little simpler. It was right there when he's when he's in the uh, limo. He's talking to uh, dude that likes rap music. Argyle. Yeah, Argyle. Great name, by the way. Weird, <laughs> weird name. Better than Allegra, though, from Hitch. Um, <laughs> so he's talking with her, and he's and he's basically, or him, he's pestering him. And, you know, I used to drive a cab, so I'm talking trash. And basically the question that I saw answered later on was, why didn't you go with her? That was the whole thing, is why didn't you go? And when he's in, in when you're bouncing to the future, uh, and he's doing his... Um, whiff of death moment there where he's talking, tell my wife such and such, cause I'm not going to make it. Mm-hmm. That's what he talks about. I was a jerk. I didn't, I didn't follow her. I didn't support her. And I should have, and I should have changed. And, uh, she's heard. I've loved, love her a million times, but never that I'm sorry. So, um, so talking about jumping ahead, but that, that for me, that was the theme. Uh, and it said, so in the log line talking about it's, it's, Ultimately, a story of, of them trying to reconnect, and then boom, this happens right in the middle of it. But uh, I'm open for other ideas. Well, I think I think technically you guys are both saying the same thing, but there's every theme has the positive and negative side. It's like a coin. So, like, you have the negative side where it's like uh, you have to survive. Um, the negative side of it is being stubborn and not wanting to change or adapt or evolve. So, like, I think you're saying that he doesn't want to adapt or change or evolve. And um, is it Polly that said, I think, yeah. that you know he needs to adapt and change and evolve. So like, and that's one thing that gets confusing, and it's good to recognize early on when you're writing a story, is to look at both sides of your theme. What's the positive of it and what's the negative? 
Ah. Mm. The great thing about what Ethan just said is since I didn't hear most of what James said, I'm assuming <laughs> that James and I disagreed. So that thanks for cluing me in there, Ethan. <laughs> I can help. <laughs> no, no, it, it makes sense. Uh, you you saw one side and I saw the other. Any other thing on theme stated before we jump over to uh, to Catalyst? No, I, I got nothing new. Same old, yeah. same as what you guys have. Okay. Well, I, I just want to add one more quick, 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 quick uh, thing. Um, so uh, when when you were kind of, what, what little I could hear of what you said, James, um, did you say something about this used to be a book? Yes. Okay. It still I did, is, I did, but yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So I didn't realize that. And so one of the things that I was going to say early on uh, in all of this is that sometimes I have a real hard time getting into action movies, which I know probably strips me of my masculinity, but because there's <laughs> uh, so little, oh, well, thank you. Anyway, because there's so, I made a child, by the way, <laughs> I'm a man. You had help. <laughs> I saw, well, you couldn't do it by yourself. You're not a real man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess. Anyway, he watches Rocky with me. So, but no, what, uh, what I was going to say is that sometimes like with action movies, because there's not a lot of uh, character development because it's just such, you know, uh, so go, go, go and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it kind of loses me. And so it was kind of cool with watching this uh, or wa- with watching this movie, which I've seen a hundred times and I've always enjoyed, but it's always kind of been somewhat easy for me to ignore. Cause it's like, Oh, well, yeah. Cause I know that I can leave for five minutes and I'm going to come back and it's just people still beating each other up and it's not going to get no big change until the end um you know so i just i kind of did want to throw out at the very beginning like i'm i'm really looking forward to kind of having a lot of what i I feel like i read a lot into this movie um that i didn't feel like was there and so those kinds of comments of you know kind of saying you know like what you just said james i think it's gonna (laughs) kind of help me enjoy this movie even more whenever i go back and watch it again so I'm I'm definitely open for uh, you guys to you know yell at me for being to use uh, Christian's word pretentious over this movie. No, and, and <laughs> earlier when I said if you're a novelist, uh, John, uh, uh, Paulie's a writer, and 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 if we've seen anything in in this uh, series so far of, of shows, is he does he 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 watches these movies and almost reads them as if they're books. That's the way I hear him describing things, he, and he sees things on a deeper level. It does, and so though it came out prickish, uh, what I actually what I actually meant to say, <laughs> I didn't even hear you, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, what, what I meant to say was was uh, you know that that sounds like I read it. That's a, that sounds like what you would say. I wouldn't be surprised you read the book, and that's in there. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, cat- what? yeah, what? Somebody? I was agreeing. Catalyst, <laughs> uh, page twelve. Um, the moment where life changes, it's, uh, it's that moment right there. Uh, any, um, I, I know it's uh, it, well, this is a moment. So when did this happen? When did the official catalyst begin for me? Sometimes it's a, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say just cause this isn't in the beat sheet, but it's always good to, uh, point out your stasis equals death moment. Oh, I'm too. sorry. I it's skipped that. It's moment. right here. Yeah. Say what is the stasis equals death? And that's always a, a, an easy way to know when your stasis equals death moment is. Almost always the character sighs. Mm. Oh. You're almost always sitting alone, and they almost always go, <sighs> and they're basically thinking to themselves, well, things stay this way, life's going to suck, or nothing's going to get better, or whatever. And sure hope some guys with machine guns show up to change my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's when 
So, you know, John McClane sits in his hotel room. He just got in a fight with his wife or whatever, I think is what happened. And yeah. he's just sitting there and he just kind of sighs. He always, they always let out a breath almost every time. It's so funny. You go, oh, there it was. Uh, awesome. So if I don't, so, so the stasis equals death for his, for his family then was, you know, why are you such a jerk? Shut up. Fix this thing. Um, for me, the stasis equals death for the, for the action part though was, um, he, I, I just saw it occur when, when Taganashi gets shot. Um, and we'll talk about this in a sec, but he, in, in the debate scene, um, and I know it's late. So in the, in the thing for me, but when he finally sees that he realizes, you know what, if I don't do something, everybody, everybody's going to die. And, and ultimately that is proven true. The point, the goal was to blow the entire building up and kill everybody in it. Um, right there on the roof. Um, <coughs> So, you know, stasis equals death for me was, was, uh, they're killing people. I gotta, I gotta yeah, I think the me. moment their trucks pull in, that's, that's when catalyst starts up. Okay. Mm. So, see, I'm, I, this is one of my flaws is I typically wait until the character notices it. And I guess I'm wrong doing that. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it's the story. It is important that the character is going to have to realize it within that. But the, uh, stasis equals death is a character moment. Catalyst is a story moment. Like, Stasis equals death is the character reacting to his life, going like, oh, okay, all right. And then the catalyst is whatever comes in from outside. Everything's going along path A, and all of a sudden this thing comes in, and boom, now we're on path B. Okay, so the moment we see that <clears throat> that truck. And, yeah. Uh, and they kind of convert, so and that's why... It's so, that's why they converge, you know, and that's, that's one reason it's good to uh, try to not see these plot points as like a links to B links to C links to D set up links to catalyst links to this. Cause you know, your setup and your cat, there's, they kind of flow together. Your catalyst starts up while I think John might even be having his stasis, stasis equals death moment while the trucks are pulling in, you know? Yeah. That's what I, that's what I thought. I thought he had it when the dude got shot, um, but it's not, yeah, it's, you know, the overall, just the, the action of a terrorist showing up coming in. That's the catalyst. And okay. it's, okay. Any other thoughts, comments, input? That's um, I've I've always felt like I've been I'm too late on these. Like in the other two, I feel like I was too late on the catalyst, but then now I realize I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have it as when the phone doesn't work is the uh, the catalyst. That's when something's different. At uh, least in in my book, when he when he tries to dial out and the phone's not working. But I I realize now he I'm notices still, it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'm I'm super late still, and I was just so careful to be on time with that. But nope, <laughs> just still too late. Uh, I actually had this one right for once, um, but I I did two just in case. One was terrorists invade, and then and then when he noticed it for the first time, which was hearing uh, the shots. You know, I don't uh, have the pa- uh, page thing in front of me. How many pages does it say catalyst is? Is just catalyst one, is is uh, twelve. It's one page. It's just the page twelve. Beginning yeah. of the debate segment, which is twelve to twenty five. So, so I, and I think and then what and the next one uh, break into two is, is a moment. And what page does that start on? 25. It's the end of the debate, yeah. So Catalyst, yeah. So Catalyst leads to the, yeah, or oh, the debate, yeah. So, okay. All right. So debate um, is that moment between finding out what the heck's going on and what in the heck am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So go for it. I um I almost put and I I'm I'm just ready to be wrong. I put that there I put none question mark uh and then 
the thing, the closest thing I could find to the debate was when he's in the scene uh, with the unfinished room and he sets off the fire alarm. And I, I know it's not like the debate, but I just, I couldn't find a moment where he was like, well, do I do this or do I not? He's pretty immediately like, you know, take, goes into cop mode. Well, debate's uh, not always, will I get involved or won't I? Sometimes it's, can I do anything? Mm. And I thought that's what I saw. It, first of all, mm-hmm. it was more or less what's going on. Let me educate myself. And then yeah. we saw the shot in the head. Oh, now I know the freak what's going on. I can handle this. And then he his first action, which would be break into two for me, was calling in the fire alarm. Trying, you know, saying I'm getting involved, my feet are wet now. Mm. And bear. That's smart. <laughs> I, I I didn't look at it as a what's going on thing. I, I looked at it as a I looked at it as when am I gonna am I gonna do this or not? But you're you're right. I see that um, it's less of a debate of whether he's not gonna do it, but a kind of a I guess you could say a debate of what's going on. But that's just to use the word debate, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a way for the character to be going. All right, what do I do? What do I do? And they're just mm-hmm. in that little chicken with the head head cut off moment where they're trying to figure out what they're gonna do next. And I think Bruce even goes think 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 like you think he says that mm. he's he's oh, going geez. through his head. Trying to figure out, all right, we've got to figure something out. And even when he's saying think, 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 that's like right about breaking it too because he's already – he's now committed himself. I'm going to do some, something about this. And it's a short moment. He's just looking – things. he's just taking it all in is really what the debate is. He's just – yeah, he's assessing the situation and it's the moment he decides, all right, I'm going to fight these guys is when the debate's over. i got to watch this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is internal. He hardly talk. He doesn't hardly say anything. He doesn't talk to anybody. There's no B character, B story character to talk to about it or anything like that. Or- yeah, not till way late. You know? Yeah, way late. Uh, he does talk to himself though, and I love that part. Uh, right after Taganazi gets shot or whatever his name is, he's like, "Why didn't you stop him? You fool! You know, you moron! Because then you'd be dead too. You bleepity bleep! You know." So, uh, so he's his own mm-hmm. B. He's his own B story for a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I just yeah, that's totally- interject something quick? Um, so. Did anybody else notice whenever he is having like that little argument with himself, he stops for a second and like looks at a woman who's talking on the phone in another building? Huh. Do you I rewound it like mm. five times going, what in the world is this all about? Is this just like it seemed like it was almost a mistake that they left it in there, but yeah, he just he's <laughs> up there all by himself and then he like looks over and there's just some chick. I don't even know if she's naked or not, but she's just like <laughs> wandering around like talking on the phone and it's just kind of like Really, terrorists are like destroying this building, and you're checking out another woman or something. But uh, that flaw, mm. that flaw. I remember that. That's crazy. I don't either. <laughs> I have to go back and look at it. It's probably mm-hmm. in the book. Um, yeah. So he sets off the fire alarm. It's another thing that happens in there. And he, basically, I wrote that he he goes from what's going on to now I know to what can I do to here we go. <laughs> so uh, which is probably every you know, every story in this genre goes, goes through that sequence. Uh, but B story comes in late page 30 and, uh, it's Urkel's nemesis, Carl, um, <laughs> in this case, uh, the love story and boy, is it a love story, man? They're, they're connected at the hip. Right. Are we skipping fun and games or doing it in a different order? Uh, um, B story. They they mention B story at, as the beginning of Fun and Games, uh, page thirty, and then okay, Fun yeah, and Games totally. thirty through fifty-five. So I know it happened in a different order. Um, I know Fun and yeah. Games began before B story. So whatever yeah, you guys want to go either way. And that was one way that uh, he described when we took that 
when I took his class, he said, basically, fun and games and B-story. You have a whole bunch of fun and games moments, and you have a whole bunch of B-story moments. Think of fun and games as A, and think of B-story as B. And almost always, it goes through your fun and games section, it goes A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B, or B, A, B, A, B, A, B, A. Mm. Basically, you see a bunch of gunfighting, and then they stop and talk about the theme, then they get another gunfight, talk about the theme for a little while, get a gunfight, talk about the theme for a while, and it's kind of that back and forth of like... They start talking, you know, he's on the walkie-talkie talking with Carl, kills some terrorists, talks to Carl for a while. So that's kind of the, uh, that's, that is one area that got really confusing for me too when I first started following this beat sheet was, you know, what's the, how, come the beat, how can the beat story be this one spot and the fun of games is one big giant section, but he broke it down like that in the class. It made way more sense. Mm. Mm. Now, um, us, us tracking with his wife and, uh, and stuff like that, and and the, is that also in the uh, in the B story? How how does you know a, a significant other's journey through this story? How is that classified? Because she is well. Another way to look at the A and B story is the Carl is a B story character because mm-hmm. it starts later, but it's also uh, and it, it is kind of. I still don't feel like I have a lock on this, but the A story and the B story aren't totally physical the b story is more the emotional story and the a story is the physical story okay. uh, he even he even like he drew a line on the board and he goes here's your a story and he drew it above the line and he said here's your b story it's below the line it's like behind the scenes so when characters are talking about you know, got to rig this bomb up and blow these guys up that's a story talk but when they go why would we want to do that what's wrong with our hearts are we good people or whatever? Then they, that's B story because they're okay. talking about about the theme. So even Carl's uh, fight with his superior and the the FBI coming in and and even the the jerkwad salesman trying to work a deal. Does all that count as? as I, would, I would say that's anything that has to do with the terrorist situation and that, the party is a story, and the B story is gotcha. whenever John talks to Carl about life and his wife and family and anybody else he talks to about it too but he pretty much just talks to is it carl or al it's al but i call him carl from yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) snape and carl so um yeah so and the driver um he he's you know hit on here and there very lightly because he has a job to do at the end you know uh does Mm -hmm. that count as uh a or b in your opinion. Yeah, that's interesting because I think it is a B story. It's a B story conversation, but I don't know. I don't know what. Because he takes an active role there at the end. Take, yeah. Take mm-hmm. it. I, I thought it was cool that the cool black guy gets to beat up the nerd black guy um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with his car, of all, his weapon. Yeah, like they like, paired those two up. Uh, you know, beat beat his car with that car. You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. just all these connections. Uh but yeah, then he, yeah, that's another reason I say I don't totally get it because yeah, that's true. I mean, they, he talks about the theme throughout the movie, but I don't know if the B story is the character who takes him through. Often the B story character, I think one thing is we get confused about a B plot and a B story. I think that there's there can be A, B, C, D, E plots. You know, you have ah. stories that have all these different plots happening, but the A story is the action. The B story is the emotional action. Okay. <clears throat> and usually that B story character comes in because he's like a he's a version of your main character who, you know, like Al, 
you know, he failed and he's just stuck. He's sitting at a desk and he's eating Twinkies and that's what he does. And he's, he's not willing to change either. And they have to over, they overcome it together or the B story character is like a warning. You know, he's that term, the half man in one of the other genre styles, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who got halfway there and by his example, your, your hero will get all the way there. Uh, yeah, shooting kids, shooting kids was uh, apparently not as big a deal back then as it is now. <laughs> you, you should have made Hunger Games back then. Yeah, you shoot a kid now, yeah. there's going to be a lot of problems. You're going to have a bad time. But back then, ah, we're just going to put you on, we're going to put you in a squad car or, or no, take him out of it. But yeah, I think it got kind of a slap on the wrist considering. But, <laughs> Yeah. Did he do it on purpose? That's a warning, yeah. <laughs> well, let's get to our favorite part, the the fun and games. Um, I get to steal it because I'm the host. Um, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. That's ex- I have that written exactly. <laughs> Greatest thing ever. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all that, but yeah, for sure. That's like the... Oh, yeah. It's just... Kind of the quintessential fun and games moment of the movie. Like It's definitely going to go in the preview. I, I, I love yeah. two parts in the movie, and it, he does it both both times. Uh, where he uses Christmas props to his advantage in a deadly way. He he looks over, he sees the the hat and the and the the stuff, and he smiles. And then later on, when he has the gun strapped to his back, he he looks over previous you know to that and sees the uh, the the cool cello tape, you know the the Christmas mm-hmm. tape. Right. And uh, yeah. I love that. I, I I wish to God though that they had used the little glowing snowman in the uh, glass office in some way. You know, fry somebody's <laughs> head. They, usually, when there's electricity, somebody gets fried. But anyway, what other uh, f- fun and games moments were standing out to you other than uh, Roy Rogers impressions? <laughs> yeah, I I like my, one of my favorite parts is the fact that. The gr- my favorite line from the movie is immediately followed by my least favorite line. <laughs> my favorite line is whenever he's you know in the the air vents and he's like, "Come out to the coast, we'll all get together, have a few laughs." <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing he says is, "Now I know what a TV dinner feels like." It's like, eh, no, oh yeah. yeah, that was not a good line. <laughs> when he's in the in the vent with the lighter, yeah. I, I thought about that same thing. I was, I was yeah. like, if I was sitting in, I, I wasn't, but if I was at the time, 1988, sitting in the theater, I know people laughed their butts off at that. And it was only because it was him. <laughs> it's, it's, I call those pastor jokes. There are certain jokes that are only funny if you're famous or behind a pulpit. And um, that was one of them. Now I know what a Tulsa bitch to be feels like. So is that right. pulpit joke. Yeah. It wasn't a joke. It was a statement. Um, <laughs> I love brother revenge. I love that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, know, that was good. Foe, uh, I can't believe it's not butter guy. Um, whose name was Hans in real life, by the way. Uh, he's from the for- former Soviet union. I did a little looking up on him. I got his phone number and I call him later. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fabio. So, uh, he, he uses, uh, yippee ki MFR. And Ger- Geronimo MFR, and so it is. Uh, it's added in there, and I knew I know Louis C.K. would would poo poo on me using MFR, but whatever. <laughs> well, I feel like there were eight, nine, nine, nine swear words in this movie. Oh, so, really? Is that all? Like that, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think. 
<laughs> right? I mean, it's, I don't know. Depends on your definition, I guess. They yeah. were, they were, uh, I, I think they were all F bombs then. Dang. Cause, uh, <laughs> there was a lot, a lot in there. But the, I think the, just the, the juxtaposition for me in the fun and games is, uh, of him being this wisecracker New York or uh, New Jersey guy and, uh, the, the European terrorists who are like super uptight and like they never crack a joke ever. Mm. Like if they were funny or like looser or like more, uh, less proper, they wouldn't be nearly as entertaining. But because they are so uptight and like, you know, especially Carl's brother, the guy that walking around like super stiff back, his neck is like super like he's he's got the perfect <laughs> posture. He's walking around, you mm-hmm. have rules. You're a police officer. But, you know, <laughs> just the way that he's bouncing around him like Home Alone style. With the uh, with the exception <laughs> of one bad guy, Asian American actor, stuntman, right? yes. Al Leong, with his comedy <laughs> gold moment eating a crunch bar. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Well, him and the and the uh, the nerd, the black nerd guy. Yeah. True. <laughs> what was what was the deal with that Asian? Which guy? right before? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why he was there. I'm glad he was. He's in it. He just I in every action games. movie for that those twenty years. Like, yeah, he's famous for it. For the eighties and nineties, is, is every every henchman in every action movie ever made during that time. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that, I guess. Yep, That's you did. Not yeah, I like yeah, how right before he steals the candy, there's a there's where the the special ops guys are trying to come in, and there's that random moment where one of the special ops guys gets pricked by a rose bush. And yes. he starts like, and he turns back and yells at the rose bush, and yes. it's like, what in the world? And then the very next thing is is the the Asian guys. So it's almost like good guys and bad guys can both do pointless things for this movie, and it's hilarious. Well, I thought that <laughs> rose bush thing said a lot. It, it kind of set the tone for the in hot, what you were expecting from these guys because they totally ignored Carl and and his conversations and uh, and and just started going in, and even their SEAL team couldn't get to the flipping door without getting a rose bush in the hand, you know? I thought it was great. So And also couldn't pick a lock apparently. What? Couldn't lock pick. Is that what you're saying? Just cut through it. Cut through those crash doors that could be pulled open with a with a, a metal coat hanger. And once again we have the SWAT team who has their book. They go by their rules. They do uh, things their way. That's right. Mm-hmm. He even made a that's comment. Their he made a comment about the uh, the FBI doing that and going and shutting off the power. And that was Hans Gruber's master plan for the seventh lock. That makes mm-hmm. sense. That's good. Sub theme. I just love him talking smack with Snape on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. You know, knowing that people can hear. You know, you know this. I love the whole radio thing. The, the entire deal uh, is pre cell phone for most folks. And uh, the fact that the bad guys could hear the conversation and he could hear them. And uh, you know, they kind of ignored changing channels and the fact that those things have a two mile radius and everybody in the world can hear. <laughs> but this was, this was before everybody had those and Walmart was carrying them. But uh, midpoint takes place in, uh, in the middle of the script uh, page 55 is what is said. Um, so every I'm always wrong on the midpoint. I have it written down. <laughs> I singled it down to one moment. Uh, let's start with Ethan and then hear from Polly um, and then John and, and Christian. Okay. Uh, the midpoint is like when you're first learning this stuff, it's 
one of the harder ones to pinpoint. Yeah. One of the easiest ways to know, like the question about what the midpoint is, is like, what are the character, what's he been trying to find or seek or get to? Because like, he knows once he finds this thing, he's going to know what to do next. Like, what is that thing? And like, he's trying to figure out who is this, who's the head of these terrorists? Like, who's the main guy? Mm. A lot of times it's when your hero meets the main bad guy. If he's been trying to find a little time. So I think it is like when they first talk in the walkie talkie and they stay, have their conversation. Oh, um, not mm. in this film, but like in a lot of movies, the midpoint, because the, the midpoint is often, it's either everything is going like great. This is the pinnacle moment before the iceberg hits in Titanic, or this is like, it's a really low point before things start to go up. But almost all the time, it's another one of those funny things like the sigh on the uh, stasis equals death moment. The midpoint, so many times it's a party. There's a party in the midpoint. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think there's a party <laughs> in this one, but uh, in so many, it's so funny. Like I was watching, I think Homeland maybe it's called, like the Jason Statham movie, Homefront. Yeah. Action movie that came out recently. Randomly at the midpoint, he, one of his kids just happens to have a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You're like, oh my gosh. Like, a party comes on, pause the movie, and you'll go, if you're on Netflix, you'll see you're halfway through. Like, oh. <laughs> the, other, the other two things that are almost always the midpoint is a kiss or a sex scene. Okay. So if it's like a romance movie, it's that, like, you know, upside down Spider Man kissing. Well, I rewound it 14 times and never did find a sex scene. I mean, <laughs> I, he, he, he did slap that, that pin up one time. I don't know that that counts, though. <laughs> so yeah i'd say him when him and alan uh rickman first start to talk and they so that's they, soon so huh? you're you're the guy yeah oh wow huh. see i'll tell you I, i'll throw in what i did wrong because i always do it wrong i put when the the salesman dude got killed um because there was kind of a party he was getting a soda poured for him he, you know, was was going on. There was something great supposed to happen. There was supposed to be some sort of settlement. And then, boom, you know, it just turned on its head. And that's when it seemed like the action really took off. I don't know. But that's, mm-hmm. I'm obviously wrong. So, If you're wrong, I'm super wrong. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, wait, I'll wait my turn, though. Go ahead. I think I might be right on this one then, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> just, just only because of the way that Ethan set uh, set up what the midpoint is because I feel like when the LAPD arrives, John feels like he's won. Um, he uh, even calls Hans and he starts being cocky, which I think uh, some uh, somebody said something about like he they 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 begin the discussion between John and Hans. So yeah, so he uh, he starts feeling cocky. He starts even naming uh, all the crew members' names. Um, he says that he's got the C four and the detonators and all that stuff. And then uh, I think off the radio, Hans even starts to panic and asks um, the the tech black guy uh, how long the drilling is going to take and everything and so to me it's like that's that that false sense or uh, i can't remember the terminology but like that's the the false victory the false high point or whatever mm-hmm. and so i i think that uh if i'm if i'm uh, understanding what ethan was saying through all the cutouts and everything i feel like i'm pretty spot on with uh, my assessment of the midpoint I'm yeah close and to i that. think 
I'm wrong in that it's not like the first moment they talk because it is true. They started talking about it earlier. I forgot. I, I actually didn't watch the movie to like remember. Yeah, I was thinking. I, it's been a long time since I saw it. But it you're might right, be yeah. when they met it's, each other face to face, though. And that's yeah. I don't. I don't think that's it either. I think huh. it's it's when it's when he does the when he says Yippee Kaye when he's like he's at the top of the game. And he's like I won. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna agree with Ethan only because it reinforces my point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I wish I was better at this, John. Yeah, I'm gonna say that that's what my midpoint was too. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna say too <laughs> because I uh, you don't know what my notes say. <laughs> uh, what did, what, is, yeah, what did you so. say? Just for fun, I just want. Well, because I screwed it up. No, I I felt like that that was about the point. You know, I was going to probably go when they were on the radios and then just kind of chatter. That that probably would have been it for me. Okay, uh, Christian. It is one of the less clear midpoints in a movie. Like it's 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 not a real clear scene. There was a sigh and a party, so I wasn't quite sure if that was <laughs> the midpoint or the. Okay. Um, for me, and I, I feel I know I'm wrong. I'm, I'm just, I'll just tell you. Um, I, th- I felt that he was like he wanted. He kept on trying to get the cops to show up, and then when you when they finally show up, they're kind of like bringing the cavalry, and they've got this huge like miniature tank deal. Mm. And then when that goes in, you think like you think it's the victory. You think like all right, they're gonna come in. The SWAT team's gonna do great, and then immediately the tank's just destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. And I have that as the midpoint. I have it as when what he think what he thought would solve the problem, aka the cops showing up, when that like falls to pieces. I have that as the midpoint, and that's when you know, okay, he's he's on his own. Like the cops are obviously not going to be any help. Yeah, and doesn't he like cheer? He like starts cheering, like woo! Is there a yeah, point where he does that? That's um, his, he's, he's throwing a party. Like that's his moment, mm. and that's the thing that happens. Like, and then yeah, mm. that's your first bad guys close in moment, which just because bad guys close in isn't, isn't just one thing. It's a, it's a bunch of scenes. And it, it, the very first thing that happens is that, yeah, boom, they, they have a rocket launcher. I love how they call it the car. You know, let's bring in yeah. the car. Every, every yeah. movie like this has these little short pet names. I think expendables probably has 30 of them, you know, <laughs> bring in the mouse. And it's this giant <laughs> tank, you know, or something like that. Uh, so the car, and comes in and and gets hung up on the on the handrails halfway up the stairs. By the way, <laughs> so again, it, you know, you're getting stung by rose bushes. You know, you can't open the flipping door, and and now you know it was just was when when did the LAPD start becoming you know a, a punching bag? I can't. I mean, obviously with uh, Rodney After Rodney King, yeah, Rodney King. <laughs> but was this was obviously post or. Uh, Sorry, not post pre Rodney King, so uh, it seemed like they were just really beating on him pretty hard. But whatever, it was life <laughs> imitating art. That's what it was. All right, so if the midpoint was right there in that that area, you know, muddy area, bad guys close in uh, pages fifty five through seventy five. Doubt, jealousy, fear, you know, uh, all this kind of stuff, uh, an emotional regroup. Um, I, I I thought uh, some of my notes I wrote is when he was called out as John was part of it. Um, uh, Hans talking with the police, uh, pretending like he was a terrorist, just throwing him off track, pulling in bullcrap facts and stuff. You know, go ahead. Anybody. 
Nice. It's a 20-page, you know, scene here. I mean, according mm-hmm. to Blake Snyder, it's a 20-page yeah. deal. So, Because yeah. often, like, you're setting up multiple bad guys. So I think not only are the terrorists closing in because we're finding out they, they planned for all these cops to have their RV and all their stuff and for them to come in. So they already had that plan. So bad, the bad guys up the stakes. And then the other bad guys he set up are the FBI and these other guys who think they're going to solve everything with their system. Right. So they're also closing in because, and then also there's usually, I can't remember if it's in this movie or <clears throat> how it comes out, um, but usually your character's emotional bad guys close in to like whatever his weaknesses are, start to come back to haunt him. Mm. I'm good. trying to think of well, what that, that, that is that happens that, here. That would have been the the fear um, at the edge of the building when he straps that uh, <clears throat> thing around him. As far as emotional. I mean, mm-hmm. his fear of heights. He uh, he definitely decides he doesn't want to be up in a building ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another bad guy that closes in is the cokehead guy. Oh yeah, okay. I didn't think he of him as, he, as a bad guy. He also but, tries to, uh, which which is interesting because he's another version of he's another version of John, but he's. He's no rules, John, but he's immoral. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's, uh, mm. you know, he'll break the rules, but he breaks them, and he has no, he has like no moral fiber. So he, and he's an idiot. <laughs> so like he, he tries to negotiate with Hans and gets himself killed. Right. And uh, Hans, Hans, and uh, Hans is closing in, literally face to face with John for the first time, right in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Finds out he's barefoot. My... And... Yeah. Sees yep, what he sees what he looks foot. like for later, and uh, yeah, dur- during all this, I like how uh, whenever John's on the phone, he says "glass." Who the cares about glass? And then, like ten minutes later, it's like, "Oh, you care about glass." But anyway, <laughs> Dang. yeah, you always sh- catch stuff like that. Shooting glass, shoot the glass. I learned yeah. how to say it in German or Romanian or something, and then European, and then English. Yeah, Euro trash. <laughs> I was so glad that guy got shot, though. I I don't really like people getting <laughs> shot, but that that you're talking about the 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 guy, you know, the one hitting on John's wife, the salesman, the nine, you know, late eighties salesman <laughs> with his goofy teeth and his, you know, I, jitteriness from being high on coke, you know, and getting coked out. Coke was popular in the eighties. There, it was like yeah. it was pre, that was the drug, man. Pre crack, you know, and. uh but uh, shooting the glass, um, I, I would say the stasis equals death. Um, no, no, no. What do you call it when there's a time? I could not find that in the book in time. There, there's always something that says. Ticking clock? Yes. Okay. Ticking clock obviously was the safe. Um, he even said it at the beginning. You know, 45 minutes for me to do this, two hours to do mm-hmm. this. And then the final thing I have no control over. You know, yeah. Um, but that's when the safe gets open too, and so the the fact that they're getting this the documents, we're finding out what they're really about. That's kind of a way of closing in, too, as as far as their purpose there. Because mm-hmm. I I guess because I knew they weren't terrorists, I did not track very well with when I was supposed to have figured that out. You know, was it? I, I guess since they were trying to get into a, but they could have been trying to get into a safe for anything. For for secrets or whatever, I mm-hmm. just don't remember when they when they were supposed to do that. But yeah, it was kind of a bummer that it was just money. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that point, 
you know, terrorist, terrorist things. I mean, we, we, we have no idea. I mean, now we have a whole different understanding of what a terrorist is, but back then terrorism was pretty lightweight. I mean, we, <laughs> we, they would just, you know, steal a plane and make people, you know, land in another country, you know, and everybody would get off safe. You know, that kind now of we have this plane. Yes. Ugh. So, but uh, hel- helicopters closing in as well. Um, I had not thought of the FBI guys as bad guys, but they definitely branded themselves as that in the helicopter when he said, you know, when he was quoting uh, civilian casualties, acceptable civilian casualties. Um, mm. And then he mentioned something about Saigon, which was definitely dating <laughs> dating that movie. But he can say anything he wants. He was in Goonies. Um, all is oh, lost. All is lost. Uh the opposite from the midpoint. Whatever was great and awful. Uh, this and it's, becomes... and it's a moment. And it's a moment. Bad guys close in. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it's the last page of it. Um, this is all culminates in all his lost moment. And I think that we talked about when he meets, when they meet and he notices that his feet. Because what happens after they've met, they meet and they talk. He notices he's barefoot. Mm-hmm. And at some point he like gets the detonators back, right? Yes. Yeah. He gets, after he shoots the glass, um, John is absent from the scene. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I remember this agonizing scene with him walking over the glass for some reason. Yeah. I don't, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see that. I didn't see that in this, but he's like, he's like dragging his bloody feet across the floor and a giant trail of blood. Yeah. He's, but he's on his butt. You know, I just Mm imagine, I don't know why I had that in my head of him stepping on glass. (laughs) Probably another movie. That's funny. (laughs) But I, this is also our whiff of death, right? Um, No. Yeah. It goes, it goes into the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Okay. Is whiff of death. He thinks he's going to die. Is whiff of death. uh, All is lost or is it in dark night of the soul? Dark night. Okay. Yeah. All right, so I'm wrong about what is yeah, I have all his lost moment. I'm with you, James. Though I they're think. so close together, I mean. So, so where is it exactly? In in y'all's opinion, when well, to to me, with uh, I think you guys have already talked about, um, you know, when they when they meet or Hans and and John meet and Hans tells Alexander to shoot the glass and all that. But even before then, and you know, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I. When the FBI takes over for the LAPD, that's for John. That's an all is lost moment because he was kind of kind of getting in cahoots with the LAPD uh, via um, Al. But when the FBI comes in and takes over, well, John no longer has any say whatsoever. And so he's lost any sort of control that he's had over the situation. So to me, it's kind of a two prong thing between the FBI taking over and then uh, John or Hans exposing John's bare feet and, you know, causing him to get all bloody, which, you know, from there leads into dark night of the soul. Well, if mi- so. if midpoint was him meeting up with dude and seeing the bare feet, then no, it, that's not midpoint. That's okay. It's not. So what was midpoint? Was, I'm looking for that connection between all is lost and midpoint, I guess. I think the easiest way to figure out what the midpoint that all is lost is, is at the midpoint, Bruce said into the walkie-talkie, yippee mother effer, and then in the all-is-lost moment, Hans was able to, I don't know if he said anything uh, to him, but he basically was able to give him that look like, I got you now, biatch. <laughs> no, he, he repeated he repeated his words, actually, and then... Oh, did he? That's when okay. Homeboy starts laughing. 
No, see, that's later on. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's when he, got, but he goes, shoot the glass. I know, shoot the glass, and he gets them, and it's like, all right. Things are back in my – ball's back in my court. Okay. So when, I'm controlling the game So again. when he gets the detonators, that's all he's lost. Because he's – yeah, because, like, Bruce Willis, like, took him off track. Like, he, he just wants to do his, his plan, and now he's having to deal with this guy that's up in this building. So once they've, like, shot out the glass and he's laying on the floor with the bloody feet and – everything and they've taken out the fbi then like he's back in control and he can get back to his plan all right that makes sense now because he was on the walkie-talkie he was bragging he was having his party he had the detonators He was talking smack now everything about that is the opposite so now i think we've crystallized what the midpoint was and uh what the all is lost is because he's lost the 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 whatever they're called the boom mm-hmm. the boom part of the explosive Detonator. <laughs> yeah. Detonator. All right, Dark Knight of the Soul. That's what I want to talk about, mostly because I love saying Dark Knight, and then also because I like Whiff of Death, which I spelled Wife of Death for some reason. In my, <laughs> my, my Freudian here. slip. But, it's uh, Holly. It, the, uh, the Dark Knight of the Soul was, was pretty obvious. I mean, obviously, it's 75 to 85. It's 10 pages long. But that whole thing, that conversation with Carl. Yep. Yeah, where he's, yes, talking about his wife. Yeah, I mean, he didn't say it, but he's like, when you see her, and afterwards, yeah, afterwards, you'll know. It won't doesn't matter now, but you'll know how to get a hold of her later. You know, mm-hmm. the unsaid part, obviously, is I'm not going to make it. My feet are bleeding now. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> thing that's changed is I have glass in my foot. But he's diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> he needs his special socks. He's out of cigarettes. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> special <laughs> socks. <laughs> <laughs> just anything which as somebody who's a recovering smoker meaning i constantly even though i haven't smoked in so long and i always want to smoke watching a movie like this like that's really <laughs> why i don't like this movie is because it's just like i just i just want to smoke it's awful but it, it's true but <laughs> yeah I, so I, thank you i wondered about how do you hide from bad guys when you're smoking that's what i want to know but in 1988 the whole building probably smelled like yeah smoke. they're all smoking <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which to me, and maybe you guys talked about this, but I thought that was one of his character traits and everything in the beginning was he always smokes when he's nervous. Mm. And like every time, mm. even when he offers Hans a cigarette, he's kind of like, I'm not sure if I trust this guy. I'm kind of nervous about him. So he even offers him a cigarette at that point. And I thought that was kind of a cool thing that the writers did. Well, so. you know why he mm. did it? Did Because he likes to smoke. Not, not just that. Awesome. Not just that. <laughs> Europeans smoke differently than Americans. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Remember, he was fronting like he was American. He was, had the American accent, the dubbed American accent, and uh, he gives him a cigarette. He sees how he smokes. But anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. Huh? I didn't even think about that. Uh, Whoa. I know, right? Yeah. I just thought of that now. I should just not even prepare for this show at all. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> how do they smoke? Um, can I just talk for just a small moment about the way they chose people in the 80s, uh, the, the standards of beauty were, were definitely a lot different. I don't want to diss yeah. any of the women in the show or in the movie, um, but, the, you know, they definitely picked a mom, a working mom. Um, even the, even the, the stewardess on the plane had some sort of facial deformity. I, I don't want to offend her, but she had acne. You already offended her by calling her a stewardess, so stewardess. you're fine. Keep well, going. Back then, she was a <laughs> yeah, stewardess. Baby. She had a little hat on and everything. She's probably 500 <laughs> years old by now. Um, and her son's probably going to listen to this show and come get me. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, just odd. Even the little girl. I hate to talk about how how weird looking his little girl was, but uh, she was a weird looking little girl. So. You in for the eighties? Yes. Hmm. She looks like history compared to ET. You know, when I watch these movies, I just like I don't even think anyone's attractive or like i just have to assume that they were <laughs> that's what i'm talking about wow. uh, well it's like when you go back and watch robocop um uh, we were at, we were at, at dragon con last weekend or weekend before and the lady from back actually both of them but the lady from the original robocop was there and i remember thinking she wasn't hot then you know so but you i could, thought she looked kind of good well that's why i had to drag you away from the table <laughs> Uh, you didn't have forty dollars for her autograph, by the way. Um, oh my gosh! So, uh, Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, I stepped out of several lines because I realized how much money they wanted. Uh, I just wanted the guy, the one guy, to say "Hello, pulpit," but he wouldn't do it. Uh, Breaking the threes, page eighty-five. Um, okay, real quick oh, before we go to there, can I say I'm two sorry. quick things about Dark Knight of the Soul? Yes. So, with with the whole whiff of death thing. Um, I, I thought it was cool that they even worked in where Al actually talks about killing the uh, kid during mm-hmm. the Dark Knight of the Soul moment. So it's like John is getting sort of, or he's being consoled by Al and everything. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of using Al to sort of numb the pain of his feet quite literally just by trying to kind of like talk through all this to, you know, exercise his demons for all the things that he's been talking about. So in that part, like, it's not just simply like John might die, but they literally have somebody in there talking about death. So to me, that's like a quintessential Blake Snyder kind of thing where it's like, okay, it's whiff of death. They even talk about it there. So I thought that was pretty cool. B-Story had its own whiff of death. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is. It's similar to the stasis equals death moment. Yeah. It's like a revisiting it. Sorry, go ahead. I'm not trying to interrupt you. No, no, that was was perfect. Um, uh, My my other thing was uh, what the – have it here in quotes um, as uh, when, when during, during all of this, uh, let's see. Um, oh, oh, it's uh, I think it, it's Hans that says it, but he's uh, kind of getting back to the whole like playing by the book thing. They even say like, ask the FBI, they've got the universal terrorist playbook and they're running it step by step. Oh no, it's Al that mm-hmm. says that during this yeah. whole oh, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of like that final thing right before the, we break into three where, where we're reminded that doing things by the book isn't going to, to work this time. And so because the FBI is quote unquote doing things by the book, that's feeding into what Hans already wants to happen. And so it kind of comes back to, uh, again, you guys may have already blasted this out of the water and I apologize if you did, but, um, coming back to the whole idea in part of the theme being, you know, you, 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 you can't always play by the book, uh, you know, in order to, to survive kind of thing. And so bringing that back around right before we break into three, to me, I was just kind of going, well, that's, that, that's a pretty cool way to, to lead into, to break into three. Well, mm-hmm. and, and you're right. Uh, you know, he needed to get his head together and ready for change, um, in, in all of those areas and ultimately needed to do the same thing. Uh, the rules of 1988 say, stated that the man works and the woman, you know, more or less still stays home, the kids. And uh, he couldn't accept that. He didn't. And he wanted to change it. And uh, that's the thing that happens here in The Dark Knight of the Soul is he says, I, you know, I should have been more supportive. I should have been behind her more. Uh, you know, again, she she heard me say I love you a thousand times, but never heard me say I'm sorry. And then he says, you Tell him yourself. And he says, well, I'm going to need a little help from the man upstairs. And bam, 
Breaking the three, in my opinion. Fresh idea, new inspiration. What were you doing upstairs, Hans? <laughs> That's what he says. Is, yeah, am I, I right? I agree with you on that one. So yeah, and it actually causes him to uh, to in this case like move and go back upstairs. So he actually there's movement. So breaking into three is him like you know actually like breaking you know out of the 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 bathroom and all that stuff and like actually uh like we've talked about this before like with some movies it it seems like the protagonist is almost drug from you know uh from act one to act two and then Mm. from act two to act three but on this one he actually does take action and you know right after he says uh the line that you just said he that's whenever he goes upstairs to to uh, find the c4 on the roof right which trips right in the finale finale's first page is the breaking the three and uh yeah he goes and and the first thing we we see is a re- the revenge blonde brother fight. <laughs> so uh the finale obviously we we dispatch with the henchmen from the lowest to the <clears throat> highest and sure enough we uh we start with uh with the Asian guy unfortunately. Um <laughs> cuz that's the first guy he sees coming up the up the stairs, right? Yeah, cuz he's led all the people up to the roof for a good mm. old fashioned blowdown so uh it sounded worse than i intended i love that it all cut out through that because yeah it really sounded filthy <laughs> i agree though uh so he's you know he's he's uh, his wife's identified he gets shot you know he saves yeah. hostages on the roof um he saves himself by facing his fear the driver plays hero face off with hans and wife uh the the uh you know, the, the mixing of, of A and B coming together, the emotional story and the physical story, um, you know. So uh, got, a, got a call back to uh, with, where he kills Hans, or he, at least we think he's, you know, he gets shot anyway. Uh, and and then I thought it was cool, a little call back with her watch. I don't know if you yeah, remember watch. that from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, he, he, the jerky guy wanted her to show him. Her watch, and then the watch is the one thing that uh, ends up doing saving them, doing them in. And and if I was Paul, I would say, "See, that's time. That is structure. That is format." And it <laughs> destroyed Hans Gruber. And uh, and it's the symbol of her, like her uh, career. Ah. Yeah, her career with Nakatomi and her kind of her separation from him was that watch too. Like, because she changed her name. You know, it's kind of a symbol of her separate life, and it's like. So she gave that up. Maybe she went back to yeah. being a homebody. It was 1988 that backward. I can't remember. Did she? No, I don't think so. Did they didn't she take, make it. Who who actually unclips the watch? I can't remember if it was him or her. Uh, I think it was him. Pretty sure it was him. I just, I rewatched the last like, I thought he told today. her and then she did it, but uh, I might be wrong. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. I'd have to watch the whole thing. So I'd get the context. I don't know. She, and she doesn't. Does she not wear her ring? I can't remember if we established that. Does she not wear a ring, or does she wear a ring? She, could, she doesn't have the name. I don't think she could because she says I'm Mrs. You know Monroe or whatever, um, and and she couldn't pull that off yeah. if she had worn one. Because I, th- I can't remember. I, I remember hearing something about these symbols, but I I didn't do. It. I've been so freaking busy. I didn't do oh, any fine. research before this show, but I've seen this movie so many times. But uh, in the finale, there's all the all the loose ends are wrapped up, and uh, I love that the media guy got a punch right there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl <laughs> Carl gets to shoot for good this time, wrapping that up. 
Um, you know, Carl and John meet. I'm kind of reading backwards, actually. Uh, and I know his name's not Carl, but uh, he is for me. Um, and he was a cop in <laughs> he was a cop in that show too. So, uh, final image. It's the last page of the script. One ten. The opposite of the opening image, proving visually that a change has occurred within the character. I didn't see um, as literal of a change. It was more of a figurative, obviously. Um, yeah imagery at the beginning showing that he had problems, you know, with his wife, uh, with the bear and everything. Uh, but them kissing in the car, not a lot of talking being done, mm-hmm. but driving away from the mayhem also could be a, uh, you know, driving away from the mayhem of their life. You know, they're reunited. That's the important thing. Um, so let me ask you this. Where would, say this was a movie that was produced today, they would probably have done that, and then they'd have played some credits, and then there would have been some sort of little callback where Hans Gruber's flattened body reaches up and Carl smashes him or something. Where does that fall in in, in structure? Is Would it be part of the finale, just a continuation? Um, uh, <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, yeah, I, would, I have, I mean, I know I'm, yeah, I know I'm 20 and I have no idea, but I would say, yeah, I would say yes. That's I mean, that's how I would. Well, I, I wrote the question, and, and as I'm saying it, I realized the answer. But uh, am I right? Is that part of the just an extension? It's part of the. I'd say it's part of the final image, but there's also like a lot of times they'll call it a button when you're writing a screenplay. You know, it's not technically the f- the final moment of the story. It's just a way to kind of wrap it up with a little bow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's it's almost more like a. Uh, Rather than being a plot point or a beat, it's a. It's more like what the save the cat moment is. It's like just kind of a moment you throw in there to add some character flavor. I would like it better if there was a name. Um, <laughs> the cherry on top. How about the that? button? The button. Okay. Little button. We always get really want that to name it. Note. They're always saying, "Can we put a better button on that? Put a better button on that script." I like that. I like that. So, guys, was it better this time? Watching it in this way. Yeah, favorite. for me, it definitely was. Yeah, it was the first time I'd seen it, so it was pretty good. <laughs> first time, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies with cuss words in them. I'm trying to kind of live. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, sorry. where did no, it I'm, just, I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Let me get the young guy's impression here real quick. Uh, how did it? How did it play out? Did it hold up? Could you, I mean, did the action still seem good, even though all the fashion was jacked up? What? Yeah, yeah. I, I and I'm genuinely, I really did like it. I was um, when sometimes people say like, "Oh, it's a classic. You have to see." It. And then I watch them like, "Yeah, I can see like how it was a classic, but now it's <laughs> sort of stupid." But it, I, no, I really did enjoy it. I really have no, um, you know, it, it sort of looked like it was. Uh, I don't know how to word it, but I was fine with it being shot in the '80s and and all the characters were dressed and stuff because I think it, I think it holds up very, very well. I love that they don't have to use the "my cell phone doesn't work" trope, you know, in the '80s. Yeah, mm. that's one thing they always have to do <laughs> in every movie is yeah. oh my cell phone's out of battery or oh I can't get service you know so yeah I, I feel like it was it was nice and um, I mean simple I guess you know what I mean like they didn't it sort of like stuck to like the meat of the story which I thought was mm. good I didn't, I didn't feel like it was trying to be something that it couldn't be yeah not a lot of contrivances in it not, like yeah. uh, like I loved um, Avengers but you gotta say man that thing had a ton of laying pipe, you know, before <laughs> the story got going. And this yeah. one, you're barely in their life before boom, 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 boom. And that's the way the eighties was, man. 
I feel like everything that happened in the movie like needed to happen, if ah, that makes sense. That does. And I like that a lot. I feel and like a good movie to see. Including the uh, Fu Manchu eating a uh, crunch bar, man. Oh, especially that. <laughs> it really ties into the sequel where it's just, it's an Asian, the villains are all Asian and they're all just stealing candy. <laughs> he's the leader. <laughs> uh, he's like the, the Stan Lee of his day, I guess. Yeah. What? <laughs> Stanley's in every movie. In every Marvel movie. I hate that too, by the way. (laughs) He just ruins it's like, oh, there you are, Stanley. The only one I really hate of him is when he drinks that Hulk soda and he he does his really fake, (laughs) you know. They should have made him Hulk out right there and just CGI him. All right. um, Did, uh, was there anything this movie just screwed up on royally, uh, Ethan, in your opinion? Was there any... Any beat that could have been done better? Anything in your opinion that would have done been done better today? Because eventually they may remake it in about six months. I mean, every <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. It's like the it's kind of the quintessential action movie. It's like it's just perfect as far as like action movies go. I, I think that. I think one thing, I mean, obviously there's cheesy lines and moments and, and hairstyles, but I think the one thing I feel like feels like it was probably tacked on by an exec mm. was that he needs to have a fear of heights mm. because they needed some fear for him to overcome. And so it felt kind of tacked on. that didn't quite fit with everything else. But since he's going to be up in a skyscraper, he needs to have that fear or something. Mm. So that, that felt a little, you know, again, just the fist with your toes and stuff. It felt like they had, it almost feels like maybe they worked it back in retroactively to like, give them a fear that was a little more concrete. And I get why they did it, but to me that felt a little bit tacked on in there. It sounds like something that would be in a book, you know, that kind of stuff, those little details, you know, like a Stephen King book or something. Well, to me, it's more like it's, they put it in a movie because you don't have to do as much explaining in a book. You can get more, uh, you can explain it more and talk more about his emotions and his flaws in a deeper way. But in a movie, you just need a, a flaw, you can go, oh, he's on the edge of a building, he's scared, he's a fear of heights, okay, got okay. it. Okay, all right. Okay, um, yeah, it takes like 10 seconds. When, uh, this movie reminded me of Breakdown, um, not just because oh, it I was... Oh, I love Breakdown. Oh, I did too. It was a <laughs> so surprise great. for me. I, I saw that one, didn't know anything about it. Yeah, same here, on and Netflix. I have, I have, yeah, I've never had a more emotional response to a movie. Like, I wanted to kill with my own bare hands... <laughs> people in that movie because they had taken his wife and mm. there that's you want to talk about primal you know yeah that one's amazing uh, if you guys do that one have me back on <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> next week so good next man. week we're doing breakdown <laughs> give me an excuse to read it oh watch it again uh john good any fight. any final comments bro you know i i wasn't allowed to see this movie when i was a kid obviously i mean i was uh, uh <laughs> whatever so and and i'm <sighs> I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want you to judge me too harshly. I haven't seen any of the other Die Hard movies mm-hmm. except for you know what what has been shown like during uh, whatever you know trailers and whatnot. Right. Um, so you know it was a new experience for me, um, and I I wouldn't change anything. I would. I mean I I love movies from the '80s because they remind me of being young, I guess. And so this was uh, this was a good one. Excellent. So, uh, um, Paulie. Yeah, so I have a, a comment 
comment and a question. So my comment is, you know, unfortunately, like in the beginning of the show, when I really couldn't chime in, um, I felt like there was a lot, there, there was a lot that they did, uh, with Holly that kind of established her character and everything. And I won't get into all that stuff. Um, but with the final image, I thought to me, like it, what brought everything around from my perspective was when Holly corrects John's introduction of her as, uh, Ms. Gennaro, whenever he introduced introduces her to Al and she says Holly McLean and I mm-hmm. felt like that was a great final image like that's that's the complete flip flop from the beginning um, you know they're kind of compromising on some things you know he's he's trying to meet her halfway and she's meeting him and all that stuff and so um, so that's my, my comment uh, my question is um, you know I think you know I'll just say specifically for Ethan um, you know with I, I really like the character of Argyle um, but I felt like with so and this is again like like I love take and you know a lot of those kinds of movies are just I love expendables and all mm-hmm. that stuff because they're just movies that I can just sit back and enjoy I don't have to think about it all but one thing that like it's hard for me to like really invest myself into a lot of action movies because I be, feel like because they're so plot driven and there's not all the character development uh, one thing that sometimes annoys me is that I feel like they're using certain characters just as pawns And it's like, well, that's okay. It's going to move the story forward. But I felt like with Argyle, I really liked him in the beginning. And they do, he's, he's the great way of getting all all this information out of John. So we don't have to have some weird backstory. So I thought that was cool, but then it's Mm -hmm. like, he kind of disappears and is a, you know, he's kind of, you know, uh, inconsequential throughout the whole movie. And then at the end, he comes back around. And all he does is knock out, you know, the other uh, black guy, which is unfortunate. Um, and then, you know, but there's there's also the thing of like, well, but he doesn't have to do that because that guy's not going to get away. The, the FBI is kind of there. And so I just kind of felt like they used him in the beginning and they almost felt like they had to find something significant for him to do toward the end. And I don't know, I just I felt like with him he was just kind of used for a couple things and wasn't the most necessary. And so I guess my question after all of that nonsense is with a, a lot of action movies, is that just part of the game is you're going to have people who they're just used to further the story and then they don't, they're just kind of discarded in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's just all how you want to choose to use the characters. You know, you need a character who's going to play that role. And then you, the fun part is deciding like, What's he like? What's his job? How does he, he has the function of bringing out information about John, but he's also going to be a comic relief. So, because one thing that uh, no matter what your story is about, it's nice to have someone to break away to that is not the story. So, like, and this happened on an episode of Veggie Tales working on where we did the story where Larry and Laura Carrot really want to get a pet puppy, and we did this episode, and it got just. It's monotonous to hear them say just saying the word puppy so many times. <laughs> so we like cut, started cutting away at a side plot that had nothing. To, it wasn't even a story. It was just this. It's just this grumpy character getting pulled around by his dog in a dumpster like all over town. <laughs> 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 Super random and stupid, but it's just funny to watch and it's such a relief. It breaks it up. So it's just like sometimes you just need a break from. Uh, it helps break up the movie and also you just when you're writing you just need to. Sometimes you just need time to pass, so you need something to break away to. It's easier to, than to just cut to another scene. Uh, it, it more clearly says time has passed. You cut back to Argyle and check in on him as a little joke. Yeah. So it is kind of like uh, it's optional, kind of like seasonings on food. You know, it's like. Hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. with just a tiny tweak, though, how much more satisfying would that end thing be where he, he dominated the other 
the other dude, um, if he had been the opposite, you know, the antithesis of that for, or the same thing, I guess I should say for McLean, maybe he had a job where he was on another line and he was telling him about the layout of the building or, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, just, Didn't he do that once or twice? I thought he did that when he like, I don't remember them having any conversations though at all through the whole thing. Once he's in John that- calls down on the phone and they talk and then like that's how we learn that the phone lines have been cut is that uh, he's on the phone with mm, our guy yeah. also. No, but but I I I think that you know uh you know Ethan what you were just saying like that that makes a lot of sense and that you know as long as I always you know for me it's always you know as long as I understand and know the purpose of something and I don't expect more from it than I should then it's like you know, okay, well then that's great. So the, the burden is now on me and it's like, okay, well, if I try and expect more from a character like Argyle, well then that, that's just, that's, I'm, I'm the one that's foolish, but you know, you saying that, you know, is that puts it into perspective and that, and that helps make sense of it. Also, I'd like to say on the side, I like how you managed to bring veggie tales into a discussion about Die Hard. I didn't see that coming. So it all the twist goes at the together. Uh, that's awesome. It's all the same. It's so funny about it. We will bring up plot points in a Die Hard movie while talking about it. And the funny thing is, like, you talk about, like, uh, when James, you say, like, oh, you know, it feels like you're reading a book when you start getting to, uh, when Paulie starts getting to all those little tiny details of this is a symbol of that and this is that. And, you know, when you're writing, you're thinking about it that hard. And so it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like it, but, you know, like, me and the other guys, it's funny. You almost have to speck and laugh at how hard we try to write mm. stuff that means something. Uh, and it's... It's just to make the story work, you need to. And like, mm. people aren't going to read that into it most of the time, but if it's not there, it just kind of, things don't feel right. So it's just funny how hard you work to examine a character's emotions and figure out those symbols. And even when you're working on a stupid cartoon, that's about a piece of asparagus. <laughs> that's awesome, you can, though. You can sleep well knowing that I will be that guy that reads that <laughs> yeah. deeply into it. So, Well, I, I have learned I have learned something else today. Cause my goal is to be that I want to, that's part of the show is I want to improve. I want to learn how to identify this stuff. Oh, I eventually want to uh, get into writing. And, and, and so Polly, I will never, ever, ever say writer in a derogatory way ever again. <laughs> well, well in that case, then I'd like to talk about her Rolex for a little bit. Cause I felt like that was a big thing. No, I, I really did, but I'm not going to drag us back to that. Well, but they could have gone that. back and gotten it. That could have been the, the little tag, the button at the end is like, you know, he holds up <laughs> the watch and he's like, everything according to plan. And she goes, give me that. So, just well, and then so to in a nutshell, in the beginning, they bring up the Rolex and, you know, saying, you know, show them what we gave you. That's a token of our appreciation. And that's a symbol of her success. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, that's what they have to actually John unstraps it. And she's willing to let go of that in order to survive. And so that is, you know, part of the compromise. That's the symbol of her success given to her by uh, to God or to. Takagi, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Anyway, Tamaguchi. And so, yeah, so, yeah, there we go. Tamagotchi. It, it's think, another watch. Yeah, just we, around. I think you were gone during that part. Uh, dang it. All right. Well, but, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> but it still counts because you didn't know. So you're awesome. You're, you're awesome again. Uh, Christian, any final comments? No, man. Just love the movie. Uh, I'm, I thought it was perfect, to be honest. And maybe that's just. I kind of didn't like that that one guy was from Walker, Texas Ranger, and he still said <laughs> cuss words, but, you know. That's like the first time I heard the Fresh Prince cuss in uh, ID4. You know, in yeah. the comments there, everybody was like, ooh! So, <laughs> and smoking cigars. Uh, 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 Ethan, any any closing remarks? Any final thoughts? 
Any suggestions Fun. or advice for future podcasts? Suggestions or advice? What do you mean? Like other movies? Or just no, just uh, you you gave us little tidbits here and there throughout the course I took of the so evening. many notes. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I was typing like a madman. Um, <laughs> anything that you, you said you'd listen to the show? Is there anything that uh, that just sticks out in your head as as something we should emphasize or do skip over or I do d- differently? I listened to you guys' Back to the Future show and I was like sitting there like wishing I could be in on this conversation. I was like yelling at my <laughs> Oh, as in my wrong. car. Like, oh, we struggled. Wrong. We struggled a lot yeah. with that one. We really did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did." I but I didn't watch it. it. I think. Uh, I mean, I've, it's been a long time since I saw it. But mm-hmm. man, it made me. It made me want to get in and like help out because I felt like that was yeah. Uh, What's funny? You guys were. Oh, go ahead. Uh, there's probably someone listening to this podcast that like is just reading the book and it's probably taken us as like the authority on these things. And it's, <laughs> it's so we good. are hobbyists at best, people. <laughs> Ethan's That's learning. I'm, I'm only I'm at page 51. Uh, I will say that after doing uh, Back to the Future, uh, when I went back through it, um, things fell into place a lot easier. I realized that I worked too hard and that if I watched the movie – and sit back and watch for the natural breaks um, that it's a lot easier. I, I sit and mm-hmm. stress and sweat over it. And I think you're supposed to do that when you're writing it, not, not when you're <laughs> trying to pull the stuff out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, Most of those beats are the reason they are beats is because they are, they're a, a very obvious moment. And uh, you almost, yeah, you do tend to try to, or when you're trying to like pick it out, it's like you're trying to decode. Uh, but it is almost always like, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but I'm pretty sure when he's rocking his guitar and everyone's partying at the dance, that's got to be that's midpoint material. Wow, that's late, man. That's late. But I can't remember exactly where that falls in. I think it's but when there's she a party him. at the midpoint, and I learned that tonight. That was a party right. in the front seat of that car too. But anyway, oh, it could also <laughs> it could be the kiss moment too. Yeah. Not, I can't remember. It's like I'm kissing mm. my brother. Well, uh, guys, next time, next time, two weeks from now, we're going to be doing Fellowship of the Ring. Surprise, Polly. Surprise. Is that a good movie? <laughs> it's a long movie. Uh, in the meantime, go to our website and comment on this episode and uh, find out more about Save the Cat at moviebeatdown.com. Email your comments and suggestions to moviebeatdown at gmail.com or our Twitter is at uh, moviebeatdown. Big surprise. And uh, that's all. So, uh, John, Polly, Christian, thank you so much. Um, Ethan, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll see all of you guys next time on uh, Movie Beatdown. Good night. You got a very much, and we got a so much. (laughs) Visit nlcast.com for other great NLcast network shows. 